I'll come back to that little introduction to the Grand um, Inquisitor. So what I want to do now is I want to talk about the Brothers Karamazov, um, another murder mystery where we are um, invited not to ask who done it, but to seek out the murderous, murderous motivation, and they are based in a rebellion against God, and um, we will find our old dichotomy. The um, this was this was Dostoevsky's last great work. I would say, if you have patience, and if you want to read Dostoevsky for a Christian vision, that is amazing. Um, read Brothers Karamazov. It is heavy and big, uh, but it is actually a really, really good novel. So we meet the same conflicts, abstract, conceptual love. Like Raskolnikov's, I want to be a benefactor of humanity against applied everyday love, living well with your neighbors, and the ruminations of an overactive, compulsively rational mind um, that turns against itself and leads to a split personality and madness. So what we have um, here is three brothers, and um, they are all, they embody they are fully-fledged characters, but they also embody a principle. So Ivan, you have him at the top, is reason, a proud rationalist and a doubter. Alyosha at the bottom, the heart, full of love, connects and reconciles people. He is, um, he was, um, the name Alyosha is the name of Dostoevsky's favorite little son. He's got, he was three or four, and he died, and Dostoevsky was grieving, and that's what happened. And you can see him with a monk's cap and a monastery at the bottom. And um, Dmitri is their half-brother, and he's been, he's been suspected of having killed their father in a bout of jealousy because the father was after Dmitri's woman. The father is a lecher. Disgusting. Um, and, but it turns out that the actual murderer is Smerdyakov. Smerdyakov, that's actually a surname, um, their illegitimate half-brother, and he was inspired by Ivan. He is kind of a half-person. He doesn't have this kind of conscience um, side. And Smerdyakov, another speaking name, Smerdyt, is to stink. Um, so so, so that's, that is the Karamazov family in a nutshell. So, so Ivan is the doubter who, um, who challenges God. Now, Alyosha, the bottom, the youngest brother, is attached to a famous elder called Zasima, um, who is the main Christian figure of the novel. I don't have the time to talk about him. And so he is the antagonist of the Grand Inquisitor. The Grand Inquisitor is Ivan's fictitious, um, fictitious creation. Um, so, so, and the Grand Inquisitor is actually a chapter within the novel, and you can buy that separately. You can read it totally without um, reading the novel. You might want to do that. But the thing is that the novel itself refutes the Grand Inquisitor. So, reading it in the context of the novel is a lot more impress impressive. So, Ivan's doubt is no simple, he isn't, he, he, he isn't really an atheist even. Um, he says that he accepts God, but what he cannot accept, well this is the, the Obtena Pustin Monastery, which is the monastery on which um, 
well, in which Zasima suspect, uh, supposedly lived, Dostoevsky himself sought guidance there from a famous stariad called Ambrosie, after the death of his son. Now, this is Ivan and his problem. So they all have their own problem. He says, I do not accept this world of God. I do not admit it at all, though I know it exists. It's not God that I don't, do not accept. You understand. He's talking to Alyosha. He's tempting Alyosha. It is this world of God, created by God, that I do not accept and cannot agree to accept. Now, I talked to somebody in the break who said to me, well, we, we talked about pride. Now, this is probably a very, um, a very um, telling example of pride. Um, I can make the world, I can make the world better. He can, he can, um, he can, thinks he can devise a juster order. And this idea is spelled out with the help of the Grand Inquisitor, the fictional hero. So Ivan really disputes God's justice. And the way he does that, I haven't given you a quotation, is he cannot get his mind around the fact that there is evil in the world. And again, this is a serious question, and a question that I think anybody who's ever been on a religious journey will sooner or later come up against. Um, if God is almighty and if God is good, then why is there evil in the world? That's a, that's a serious, serious question. So Ivan is not, like Raskolnikov who said, can we ever sacrifice a human being um, for the greater good? Serious question. And here is another serious, serious theological problem. But Ivan so is, is obsessed with justice, with vengeance, instead of leaving them to God, and God says, vengeance is mine. Jesus says, do not judge. Um, so he rejects the life he has given. He says at some point he wants to return the ticket to God. Um, so that is an act of defiance. Um, so actually, let's not look at that now. Um, in the legend, in the legend of the Grand Inquisitor, essentially, it's a it's a it's a prose poem that Ivan says he has written, but like Raskolnikov's article, we never see it. Um, so he tells his brother about the um, about this thing that he has written, and um, so he then he then so this is Ivan talking, and in the end, Alyosha comes in. So the chapter is not it's not quite an inserted narrative. So the um, Grand Inquisitor is walking around in Seville in the 15th or 16th century and then meets Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has returned to earth, but he hasn't returned in glory um, to judge the living and the dead, but he has returned. He's just walking around. And people recognize him. So they fall at his feet and they touch his garment and all that. But we don't hear him speak. Um, and the Grand Inquisitor says, well, I've had enough of that, and imprisons him. And then he has Jesus imprisoned, and then he sits and talks at him. And the way the Grand Inquisitor talks, it's, it, on the one hand, it is the solemn language of religious myth, and on the other hand, it is very, to me, reminiscent of Raskolnikov. He is going on and on and on and on. So out of compassion, the Grand Inquisitor says, I cannot allow you to walk on earth. Um, because 
he contends, we, the church, have an alternative plan to make the world a better place because you have messed it up almightily. Um, because what um, you have done is you have given human beings their freedom, and but freedom and earthly bread and plenty for everyone are inconceivable, for they will never able, be able to share among themselves. And he goes on to extrapolate that um, human beings um, cannot possibly use this freedom well because they are not made, um, um, they are incapable of being free, for they are feeble, depra depraved, non-entities and rebels. So that's his idea of um, human being. So when he says we have made a better place for humanity um, by enslaving them and lording it over them, and we've made them happy that way, and it's only us, the powerful ones, who are bearing this terrible burden of freedom on behalf of everybody else who is enslaved and happy because they're told what to do. I think that reminds us very much of um, Raskolnikov. So the Grand Inquisitor puts it in far more, he is far more learned, he is a better theologian, and he puts it in much more general terms, but essentially human freedom is the source of all evil. If you hadn't made those depraved non-entities free, then they would be happy. So here we have the other, another serious question, freedom or happiness. We might pose that differently, freedom and safety and security. Right? So he does raise a lot of important, um, important questions. So freedom, um, the Grand Inquisitor says, is, is, is only there for the few, and the few suffer because they love each, they love um, humankind so much, and they love weak humankind, and Jesus had placed too much hope in humankind by handing out this freedom to all of them. And that's a lot of that you actually have on your handout. So, um, um, so his, his um, man becomes a pitiable, or humankind becomes a pitiable and vile creature. Now, this contempt is Ivan's own. Of course, Ivan is the author of The Grand Inquisitor. The Grand Inquisitor is his mouthpiece. Now, this is Ivan talking to his brother just before he tells him the poem. Um, I, I never, I never could understand how it is possible to love one's neighbours. In my opinion, it is precisely one's neighbours one cannot possibly love. Love is enforced by duty. If we're to come to love a man, and in Russian, man and human being are the same word, and the translator has been conservative, if we were to love um, we're, we're to come to love a human being, that human being should stay hidden because as soon as they show their face, love vanishes. Now here we have a cynic. So Ivan is a person, a man whose understanding of love is theoretical completely. He's, on the one hand he says he cannot, understand, he cannot accept a world which um, in which evil is happening, and his illustration of evil is the suffering of small children. And he says, you cannot, you cannot grant forgiveness on behalf of small children as long as one child has to suffer. I do not want this world. But 
we never see in the novel any practical application of any of this. So very um, um, kind of act of self-will, placing himself above others. And then, like Raskolnikov, this old hag is just a cockroach and allows same thing. So in the world, then, according to the Grand Inquisitor, there is no room for that glorious higher aspect of human nature. So um, in theological terms, his version, the Grand Inquisitor's version of man, is not created in the image of God. Um, so because the one who rejects God, as the Grand Inquisitor does, becomes blind to the image of God inscribed in a human being. So the presence of evil, as observed by him, is a fact. Dostoevsky doesn't ignore it. It's present in every single character, even in Alyosha, even in the Saint Zasima before his conversion. But the Grand, so the Grand Inquisitor isn't actually wrong. But he is one-sided. So again, we remember Razumichin. You're trying to simplify everything. You're trying to simplify everything. The Grand Inquisitor is doing the same thing, trying to simplify. So he ignores what is most precious about um, human beings, namely their ability to overcome evil. If there was no evil, if there was no nothing bad, no temptation going inside us, going on inside us, then being good wouldn't be anything particularly interesting. You know, the angels being good is nothing interesting about them. They can't be bad. Um, so that example, sorry, I feel like blaspheming. <laughs> um, so the 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 illustration of that is really um, their brother Dmitri. Because Dmitri is he is he is actually quite a scoundrel. He's very passionate. Um, he swears, he gambles, he has lots of women. Um, and um, Dmitri actually says he wants to kill his father. But he also says, maybe I'll kill the old man, but maybe I won't. And in that scene where they have a confrontation, he actually beats him up. But he doesn't kill him, doesn't kill him. And we know that, the reader knows that, he doesn't kill him. So he is actually refuting that theory that freedom, the, the freedom of choice is not, um, is, 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 is necessarily a bad thing and that human beings can never a, do a good deed. And in fact, it turns out to be Smerdyakov who's murdered um, the father. And he is, has been influenced by Ivan because Ivan's been sitting there and talking and talking and talking about his ideas. And Smerdyakov has imbibed them. So again, Ivan is the tempter. So um, some people have asked me about the book by Rowan Williams and I said, it's brilliant. And also, he has an excellent chapter in there about devils in, in um, Dostoevsky. So the message of the brothers Karamazov then constitutes a rejection of Ivan's blasphemy. I haven't got that quotation up here. Um, but um, Ivan blasphemes that humankind made the devil in its own image. So if... Um, if if man created the devil, then he made him in his own image. That's what he says. So what we have is the philosopher who rejects God's world order. We think maybe that is a wise person. Maybe that is a great leader. Maybe it is a superman. Um, maybe he can lead mankind into happiness. Um, but he 
doesn't, he can't, because Ivan's perverted version of love for humanity inspires nothing but destruction, because um, this kind of love is a barely concealed hunger for power over those who are despised. And um, so Ivan influences Smyrdyakov, he tempts Alyosha, um, he likes to manipulate people, he makes people unhappy. Um, he argues Alyosha in an, imp in, in, in an impasse when even Alyosha said that person deserves death by his um, sophistry. So, so that's, um, that, is, that is Ivan. I was wondering whether anybody had any thoughts about the, about the, the, the piece that I've given you. I've given you a passage from the Gospel of Luke, which is the temptation of Jesus. Of course, after 40 days in the wilderness, we are only at the very beginning of Lent. So maybe I was optimistic giving that to you now. Um, but I was wondering whether anybody has any thoughts on the handout that they would like to share. It's in a different order than the, than the Mark's Gospel, if that makes any difference. It is in a different order, yes. Yeah, so it isn't the final one. Um, um, all the kingdoms of the world. Mm. Mm. Does that mean, is that important? I don't, well, I think the, the, the writers of the gospel are, they use different, like, different words in different languages. Different language. Just this, I've just given you this because it's, it's, it's longer. It's like more, kind of, uh, more, uh, it's more detailed because the Grand Inquisitor waffles. So the Bible needs to hold against that a bit. I wanted to bring this piece, and the chapter is long, and the reason why I copied it together is that otherwise I would have given you 10 pages, which is a bit overkill. Even this is a bit overkill. But um, he is essentially, so he is essentially um, arguing this position of the devil, and he is arguing about, um, he is arguing that um, Jesus, you, you, you should have given them bread because bread is the only thing they ever wanted, and um, you should have, you should have done, um, you should have done as, as we did because um, we took power. And this is actually on this final page. Ooh, I shouldn't do that. Um, on this final page, when he says, when the devil. The last gift he offered you when he showed you all that, that's actually where the arrow is. The last gift he offered you when he showed you all the kingdoms of the earth. Um, we took from him what you so indignantly rejected. Um, so when Jesus says, um, do not put the Lord, you get to the test. Oh, and I, of course, yep. Um, so so um, then the... Um, we took Rome and the sword of Caesar from him and proclaimed ourselves sole rulers of the earth, the only rulers. So this is Dostoevsky's polemic against the church. The church has actually taken a worldly course and has taken, has, um, has um, created, um, has, 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 assumed, has assumed power. But what is actually the devil trying to, 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 to give to Jesus? So he is giving him, um, he is trying to give him, well, he's offering three things in the gospel. He's offering, whether you read Mark or Luke, he's offering three things in different orders. Food, are the things that we all need, food, love, and the last one, power. 
we want it, we don't necessarily need it, but we want it. So we want food, we want love, we want power. Or you can use other terms, I think it was Father Lawrence who um, said, well, he appeals to three, um, through three kind of vanities of the ego, the devil, he offers magic, you know, um, contradict the laws of nature and turn the stones into bread. Um, he appeals to vanity, um, prove everybody that God is your father and he'll bear you, the angels will bear you up in their hands, and power. So we have power, power, power coming, coming through there, and strangely enough, the Grand Inquisitor makes his, um, makes his um, statement on that. So, but each of the brothers, including Ivan himself actually, refute this contemptuous account of human beings as they are like sheep, they only want bread and games, and they only want to be led. Um, um, so Dmitri doesn't kill his father, Alyosha is beyond good and evil because he really is very good. And even Ivan, he has an encounter with Zasima, the elder, who tells him the issue of God is not yet resolved in you, so we can see this openness um, that we saw in Raskolnikov. Um, but um, Ivan, in the end, is also, he is defeated by his conscience because he defends his brother in court. So he, the conscience is irrational, but it's implacable. So his, his reasoning, um, the world must be bad because there is, there is evil in the world, therefore the world must be bad, and therefore, therefore I reject it, which just veils I don't love anybody and I want power, um, they cannot suppress that conscience. But um, he actually, again, he doesn't surrender and he becomes mad. He sinks into madness. And the, the mastery, really, of Dostoevsky in this novel, I think, it consists in making us feel Ivan's torment, and it is much more cute than that of Raskolnikov, because Raskolnikov has done something so horrible and so banal, in a, in a sense. Um, and when Ivan argues, when he argues, he again has had some philosophy training, when he argues, you are inclined to agree with him. So it's not just Alyosha on the, on the, on the novelistic level that he tempts. But um, I, I dare any one of you to read those chapters that precede the Grand Inquisitor and to not agree with him at some point. And the torment afterwards um, is, 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 is extraordinary. So Dostoevsky, once again, um, if we want to go back to mysticism, and actually somebody who's left said to me in the break, what about mysticism, actually? How do you, how you define that? And I thought, well, I should have given you the definition that I'm using to begin with. And uh, if you look it up in the dictionary, which is what I have done, um, mysticism is the belief that we can achieve some kind of unity with the divine by, by means other than reason. So we can't think ourselves to, towards God. We can, only, um, we can only do it by experience. So reason, um, having a concept of God, is not going to help. And we can see it doesn't help Ivan either. It leads him to rebellion, this idea that my reason can't, can't grasp evil and God can't reconcile the two, and therefore the world must be bad, is 
is um, doomed to failure. So, you so what, 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 what Dostoevsky's great reasoners do is they attempt to construct some kind of ideal harmony out of an abstract concept. Now, if we look at totalitarian societies, that's what they do. So some kind of ideal state that is immediately, by state I mean um, a um, uh, situation rather than a nation, um, that is immediately disturbed if just one element doesn't quite fit. And it's always based on something abstract. It's never based on something concrete. It never makes any allowances for these million eventualities that um, Razumichin told us oh yeah, that Razumichin told us about. So um, the action of the novel is fitted, really fitted around the core of the Grand Inquisitor legend. And um, the, the, the principle, of course, of love is embodied by Alyosha, and Alyosha's kind of love helps their brother Dmitri to kind of purify his being. Um, so the, the force that defies the Grand Inquisitor is practical application of the um, Christian faith. And its essence is summed up by the words of Zaisima's brother, actually, who says, everybody, every, every one of us is accountable. He says, vinavat, which means guilty, is guilty before everybody, for absolutely everything. Now, that may need some unpacking. I don't think it means primarily that we're all guilty, but it highlights that we're all connected and then why are we all connected? Because we were all created by the same source. So this is certainly what the characters, as Osima and his brother think, same source which is life itself, and we carry it, we carry it inside ourselves, but it's also outside ourselves, and therefore nobody is higher than the other. Nobody can possibly be higher than the other. And this is the truth both Raskolnikov and Ivan stumble upon. So in religious language, of course, we are all created by the same God and in his image. But that is language that um, is often, we, we're very used to hearing it, and we often find it difficult to see what that means. So we all carry the image of God within us, even the very ugly ones among us. So people who are nasty, murderers, Raskolnikov, Ivan, even Smerdyakov, whose name means he stinks. So and that's also the basic idea of communion. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Basic, very, very basic idea. So the symbolism is, 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 is deep. We're all responsible for each other. Raskolnikov experiences it the moment he kills the pawnbroker. He's killed something in himself, and he's cut off from others. And to reinstate this communion is really what um, his quest is for, and he doesn't quite know how to do it. So this kind of oneness can only be lived in practical, individual love, not in thought, only in experience, in commitment, in suffering. So for Dostoevsky, philosopher was actually a Philosopher was a, um, a term of abuse. It didn't mean philosopher in the same sense that we might use it, but it would be somebody given over to excessive um, ratiocination. So both novels are polemic against that, against that over-reliance on reason. So I'm not suggesting here that 
um, you know, when we say as meditators, it's difficult to get rid of the thoughts that are going on in our head. I'm not suggesting that we will all turn into an Ivan Karamazov or Raskolnikov. Please don't think that's what I'm saying. And um, Dostoevsky is brilliant, and I'm finishing. This is really my last point. This is um, the Holbein Christ, which in the novel The Idiot, the bad figure Ragozhin says he likes the picture, and the ideal figure Mushkin says, but this, this picture can make a person lose his faith. And Ragozhin says, yes. And um, it is really difficult if you believe and try, you know, how can somebody like this rise? Dostoevsky is not afraid of asking these questions. He's not afraid of putting these things out there. He is brilliant in arguing against um, his, own, his own faith, really. So I think he's had his own Holbein um, moments. So this is it, really. I've pulled out the worst bit, the dark bits on which the novels hinge. And I leave the fun of it to you, um, because the fun is only to be experienced, and the experience is reading. And the good things, they are so abundant, and they are so scattered, that I could impossibly pull them out in a short talk like this.